Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. <clears throat> Amen. Um, just wow, to start off, just wow. Um, my mom usually always prays whatever the lesson's going to be or God through her typically gives me my third confirmation for the message. And this one honestly takes the cake. Uh, there are just two things I want to mention before we get started with Bible study. Uh, the first and foremost being that, again, uh, remember to check the description for the video or the podcast, whatever format you use to view it. Uh, it has a link to the notes, which is just the scripture, as my mom boldly prayed to go off script. There really isn't one. It's just whatever the Lord gives me. But these are the scriptures, and he typically lines it up. Glory be to him. Secondly, um, moving forward, as I said last lesson, uh, our theme for the year is that God is showing us and he's letting us be aware of things. The question is, are you being aware of it? Are you looking? Are you listening? Are you watching? Are you doing your part to really understand what God is conveying to us? With that out the way, we're going to talk about interlaced tolerance for this week. This is one of those messages that really, really just broke me. It started Wednesday and it finished up today before Bible study. I was uh, riding home, uh, grabbing some food for me and my grandparents, and I heard a song called Hands In It. It's a gospel song. And one of the things that they said is that everything I am, it's because I traded. And that made me start to think about some things. And as I, I heard the song a few more times, I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and look up the snippet of the sermon that was being taught from at the end of the song. And I went to it and I listened to it today. And it just it blessed me in ways I can't even begin to describe. But <clears throat> let, let's hop into our definitions. First and foremost, interlaced. If you don't know what that means, the word interlace means cross or be crossed intricately together or to interweave. Now, that's very important for us. I want to paint you a quick picture. We'll get into our Greek word and then we'll hop into scripture. I want you to imagine sin as a as a pathway, as a hallway or like one of those tunnels you drive through. It's straight and it goes both ways in and out, meaning that you have direct access to sin and sin has direct access to you. Now, through salvation, when sins are forgiven, something magical happens. What begins to happen now is that God takes his loving hands where there used to just be an open alleyway and he crosses them. And we all know that when you cross your fingers together, just like this, you can hold water in your hands and there really isn't too much that can seep out because of the tightness and the firmness of what happens here. So when this happens, if you look from it this way, there is now a block from the other side 
meaning that sin can no longer creep into your life. What's there is just the remnants of what had already taken root in your heart. But we know that sanctification is a lifelong process of God thoroughly and intricately removing the thorns of sin from our hearts, albeit our heart transplant. So as we keep moving forward in Christ, our tunnel now that's been closed off is now a well that can be filled up with the life-giving water that flows from the word of God, which is Jesus. And we continually get filled up until we overflow. And that overflow is typically what you see a lot of people operating out of because we're so full of God and we have so much that we don't know what to do sometimes. But God in his excellency reaches deep down inside of that well and pulls out exactly what we need at the right time. So let's go ahead, take a look at our Greek word, then we'll hop into the word. And I'll put that on screen. So our word for the week <clears throat> is metriopathio, which means to hold one's emotions in restraint. Uh, if you look down at it, it means meditating, deriving from the word uh, metri, an instrument for measuring, and pathos feeling, properly to feel appropriately, with divinely measured intensity, or God-controlled moderation. And further down, it means it, that we feel with divinely measured intensity. It expresses discriminating feeling empathy, which is not too severe or too tolerant. And that's our word for the week. Now, it's important for us to understand how these two words work together, interlaced and tolerance. We know that when we're interlaced, that nothing can creep in anymore. It's just what was already there. And we're working through the process to get it removed from us. The tolerance part, or if you're a King James scholar, forbearance or NLT or whatever other modern version is being used, we have uh, the word allowance. Typically, when that word is used, we're talking about making room for one another's faults between us. Now, I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand and say that I have uh, plenty of things that I can find wrong with other people. I don't do it as much as I used to before I got here at this present moment and my relationship with God. But we all can be truthful with ourselves and say that it's something that even our most loved ones do that kind of bug us and it makes us maybe want to depart from them at times. But before you think about leaving someone simply because something nags you, remember this. Each and every single day that we take breath, we miss the glorious standard that God has laid out for us to achieve. Now, because of that, that means that we're still sinning. Saved or not, you still mess up every day. It's just when you're saved, you don't make a habit of it. So if God were to want to depart from us, his children, just because we did something to nag him, then where would that leave us? Let's hop into the word. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through eight, and then verse 13. And the Bible says, love suffers long and is kind. I'm going to repeat that love suffers a very long time, but it's still kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up, does not believe be. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil. 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one. It hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. It endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for speaking in tongues, as the King James says, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. There are things that God has given us that are meant for right now, what the Bible is saying. We have prophecies like the book of Revelation or when God's prophets speak into somebody's life. It's to tell us of things to come. But in that sense, even then, we only have a piece of the picture. In the book of Revelation, we know how everything's going to end. That's why we know the battle is won, because God has already won it. He won it before the foundations of the world was laying. And now that we're walking out time, we're seeing just how true it is. Because one, Jesus died on the cross. Two, people are getting saved every day in troves. Glory be to God. And three, we see the changes that happen in people's lives when they start to trust and depend on God, not just trust that he's real and that he's there for them, but that they start to depend on him. Referencing the the ministry that I viewed earlier today, that was a part of the song that I mentioned. It's uh, by Pastor Michael Todd, and I'll link that in the description for the podcast and YouTube. The thing that he said that confirm this lesson for me tonight is that we need to trade the faith that got us here and trade it for the faith that's going to take us there. In order to do that, and we'll get into that, we need to learn how to tolerate or how to make allowances for one another. Yes, I get it. People bug you. People bug me. We're none of us are perfect. But the thing about allowances, about tolerating one another, it's that we're not making room for the sin in all of our lives. We're making room for the person out of love. God, and referencing back to that interlaced, sealed tunnel of ours, when God forgave sins, he did the thing that he's teaching us to do when we forgive one another, when we forgive our enemies. We are taking the power that has been sold to Satan and we're removing it from him and putting it back where it rightfully belongs. When God forgave sin, when he rose on the third day, he stripped Satan of all the power that we sold to him to give it right back to us empowering that same authority that he gave us through his name, through his will, through the goodness of himself. We cannot do a single thing outside of Christ as we've mentioned several times in various Bible studies. But when we forgive one another, we then allow the capacity of God's full love to really operate in our relationships and our places of work. And us, the biggest enemy you have to face each and every day is yourself. I fight me day and night. Me wanted to give up earlier this week because I had a, I had a moment of weakness where I'm like, uh, here I am. I thought I was past this and we all have those. But here's the thing about making 
that tolerance or making that allowance. It's not you, which we talked about last week. It's the sin that still resides within you. But because the tunnel is closed now, God is removing every seed of iniquity that you have left in you until the day you go back home. We won't be perfect here, but oof, we can sure get close enough to a truly sober lifestyle, which is where sin becomes almost an enigma. It's like, oh, I messed up. I'm still human, but that's okay because now I'm not out here going to willingly do the wrong thing. I'm not out here trying to offend God. I'm not out here testing him saying, look, I'm saved, but I'm going to take your grace and mercy and do whatever I want with it because I have a desire. Well, as we talked about and we'll get into it and then we're going to move forward. It's that when you try your way, there's a wall and you're going to hit that wall 130 billion percent of the time. But when you do Jesus's will, when you try his way, because he is the way, the truth, the life and light of this world, then you will never hit a wall. Instead, you are going to walk through every season, every storm, every trial, every tribulation, and all you have to do is do it his way. What does that have to do with interlaced tolerance or making allowances? You can't forgive someone else until you forgive you. Look at yourself in the mirror. Hug yourself right now if you need to and say, I forgive me. Because you can't get to where God needs you to go until you deal with those past enemies, those past battles. And we talked about that. You got to forgive yourself. You got to understand that you are all too human, but God is all too God. And he circum he circumcedes, he succeeds whatever this flesh wants to do. And he, through his wonderful power, can transform this mind of ours where the current battlefield is and shapeshift us into the new creation that we need to be. See, God doesn't just renew, but he creates all over. What you see now is the the culmination of God taking me through a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations and me saying that right here isn't enough. So what what am I trading in? Let, let's keep going. Romans chapter 14, verses 20 through 23 and then Romans 15, one through seven. We're reading the end of Romans and we're going straight through to uh, Romans 15. The Bible says, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there is something wrong with what you are doing, but uh, there is nothing wrong with what you are doing. But keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Picking back up in uh, chapter 15 at verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those 
uh, who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Let's address a few points with the end of chapter 14. I know there are some people out there who would love to take this out of context and say, well, the Bible just told me that if I think that something is right for me to do, I can do it. So I can do what I want, right? No. I love people who skim the word instead of study what God is telling you, because it's more than just the, the words on the, on the piece of paper. There is a deepness to the word as the Bible describes. And then there are some things that should just click because of common spiritual sense. We know that we are saved by grace. It is a free gift and we cannot work for it. We also know that grace and mercy are to abound in our lives for when mistakes happen. Not for when I choose to do wrong, because that still happens too, but grace and mercy are for when I mess up because I'm still all too human. I haven't been transformed yet in the twinkling of an eye with that perfect body that the Lord will give us on the day of on the day of reclamation, I'll say. But right now, while we're still battling with this, we have footwork to do. Now, what that scripture means is that when you know that your freedom in Christ permits something, you are okay to do it. But if you're struggling with something, just don't do it because you don't want to ever in your own heart offend God. Even if it's right to a degree, you don't want to offend God. The other thing is you never want to make another brother or sister, no matter where they are in their walk, start to feel like it's okay to do wrong because God will cover it. God covers you, but that doesn't mean you test him to cover you. Oh, Father, I was out uh, just, you know, doing my thing and this happened. No, it didn't just happen. You put yourself there and you allowed it to go on. Instead of staying home where you know nothing bad could have happened or going around people who you know have your best interest in mind instead of those who just go with the flow, as we like to say. Then we move down to chapter 15. And we see that those of us who have a, a deeper rooted relationship in Christ ought to help those who aren't there just yet get there. Because this Christian journey, though the relationship is between me and God, between you and God, the benefits, the fruits that are produced in our lives are for the whole family of brethren. Everything that God does in my life is to either A, show somebody how good he is because they don't believe and that a thing that there, there isn't a single thing that he can't do, or it's to benefit the rest of the fold. Everything God has blessed me with is so that I can be a blessing to someone else. If it's just one person, I got to help that one person because it's not about me. And it's not about you, but it's all about Jesus and what he wants to do for this whole world of us. For those that are saved, great. And we're going to touch back upon that from here to there. But if you're saved, do you just want to be saved or do you want to see what else God can do? The parable that uh, Pastor Todd mentioned was about Jesus 
and the the man who was on the mat who got lowered in in front of the Lord from the rooftop. His faith didn't get him there, but the faith of his friends did. And while he was there, his faith had to play catch up and say, "Okay, I'm here. Now, do I want to stay here or is this not enough? I got saved. So am I going to stay here in the saved corner or am I going to put on my floaties and venture out into the deepness of the sea and go see what else is out there? Am I going to stay right here in my neighborhood where I know where everything is or am I going to trust God and I'm going to go get out there and go proclaim the word boldly? Am I going to go do something that's different? Am I going to keep my lazy faith or am I going to take the crazy faith that God told me if I had just that much faith, I could tell a mountain to go jump into a river and it would. So what are you going to do? That's my question for us today. Are you going to stay lazy and just "Eh, if it happens, it happens or God, I trust you. You've given me the tools and you've equipped me with everything I need to make it possible in your name. And I'm going to go make it happen according to the riches and the goodness of your glory. What does that have to do with interlaced tolerance? Glad you asked. You can't get there until you forgive you first and foremost. We're going to work on the inside out. God in all his love and splendor forgave you and me, me, this wretched man that I am, that I really used to be and that I still am because none of us are good. But God is good. And because he lives inside of me, I get to be good by default. Let me tell you about me, because I, I love sharing my testimony with you guys in hopes that it'll help. Back before I got right here. Thanks to the crazy faith that God instilled inside of me. A few years ago, I was doing pretty much whatever I wanted to. Yeah, I was in school. I was doing decent, I'll say. But my life was utter shambles. I was very mean and atrocious to my friends that are like brothers to me. Uh, My grandmother, who's been a second mom, I was abhorrent to. I was very disrespectful to a lot of people. I... Once I got a car, I came and I, I, I did anything I wanted to almost. I would lie to my grandmother. I would lie to my grandfather, to my mom, to whoever to do what this wanted me to do. And where did that get me? Oh, I've told you guys depression. Uh, my porn addiction at the time had gotten to the crusp of it to where anything you could think of, I've probably seen and. Uh, Jesus, it just, it, it was bad. I was terrible. But then one day in the midst of my own mess, because sometimes you got to just be in a real funk. I pray you don't ever have to get there, but I'm telling you about what God did for me so he can help you. At the bottom of my barrel, I remembered the words of, of, of my late pastor. Sometimes you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. After putting myself in an abusive relationship where I was the main abuser. Yeah, I'm going to tell on me so I can give God the glory. Something broke within me and there was a door that opened up for about the fifth time, according to, to my recollection, where I could just see God saying, here's the door, baby, go through it. And when I walked through that door on the fifth time of it opening, because I ignored him the first four saying, no, father, it's okay. I like it here or no, I need them. God, let me tell you about people, about uh, technology, 
about money, about everything else, and then we'll move forward with our scripture. It's that they are simply resources, people. They are not the source. When you get angry, don't turn to the bottle. Don't turn to drugs. Don't turn to sex. Don't turn to other people because they can do nothing for you. But turn to the one who can really take you there. Where is there, you may ask? Well, to, to quote the pastor and to add in what God has given me, it's to take you to your promise. It's to take you to your destiny. It's to take you to where God has called you to be. It's to take you out of that job where his grace may have put you, but you got complacent there. It's to take you to wherever God needs you to be for the sake of not only you, but for the kingdom and for our family. You can't do any of that until you forgive you. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight tomorrow or whenever you hear this message but I know I'm speaking to somebody who needs to hear that self-forgiveness is the first step into getting to exactly where God needs you to be I could not be here today or any other day that God has blessed me to give you a Bible study if I had not forgiven myself especially this week where I had a slip-up and I consumed the thing that I've been telling you guys about that I had no business consuming. I'm telling on me again to give God the glory. And when I felt real bad and real low, the Lord reminded me, baby, don't you remember that your sins are forgiven? Don't you remember the double jeopardy that I keep telling you to give to my people, your brothers and sisters? Don't you remember that? Yes, Father. So how does it apply to me? Forgive yourself. Stop beating yourself up and actually walk out the room. You still got a few toes in there. That's why you keep making the mistakes sometimes. But once you take the rest of yourself out of it, then I will do everything else that you need me to do. So whatever you're suffering with today, one, forgive yourself. Two, do the introspective thing and ask yourself and really look if I fully removed myself from the situation. Because even if this much of you which is maybe a millimeter thick of my pinky is still in the old room of whatever affliction you were in. It'll still take its chance. But once you're out of that thing, let me tell you, you'll never see it ever again. And I proclaim that for me and for each and every one of you moving forward, Matthew chapter 13 verses one through 23. It's an open Bible moment and the highlighted scriptures will be attached to the uh, to the description for the Bible study. So I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. Uh, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as, as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This is Jesus himself telling you directly to really process, be like the cow and keep regurgitating the cud until it's fully digested. 
understand what God is telling you tonight. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Real quick, Jesus himself is saying, if you're just hearing me, but not processing what I'm telling you with your spirit, your heart, your mind, your soul, with everything that encompasses you, then you just won't get it. But if you do actively take my word, chew it, swallow it, regurgitate it, and keep doing that over and over and over again until you really get it, then you're going to be blessed in ways that you couldn't even imagine. Continuing, that is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it, and they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with great joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as the, as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Now we read a lot. And we don't typically read that much for time's sake, but it's important for our lesson tonight and for what God is doing in this ministry right now and in all of your lives who are partaking of the word right now. It's to tell you this, as I told you guys at the beginning of this year with our new beginnings lesson, is that our theme is God is letting you be aware of what's going on, not just in the world, but in you. Are you aware of what's going on in you? We had a lesson about introspectively taking a look at ourselves and determining what needs to be worked on. That's great. Then we talked about flags on the play as um, pertaining to what's going on around us. Now, I had no idea because I don't plan these Bible studies out ahead of time of what was going to happen. I make them when God gives me a topic. I pray, I study, God gives me the scripture, and then everything is straight from the throne room. 
What I'm telling you today is that when you trust God, when you have crazy faith, that you don't have to be like the other three seeds that fell on the the bedrock or that fell on the good soil, but it didn't have deep roots or the soil or the seed that fell in with the thorn bushes. So it was like, yeah, this is good, but now I can't do anything because I'm being choked out. But you can be the seed that falls on fertile ground if you would just be aware of what's going on with you. Acknowledge what's happening in your life. Acknowledge the past. I know the past hurts. I didn't want to deal with mine. But the more you tell people about your mat that you've picked up, just like the parable of the man, well, not even a parable, just like the man who was raised down in front of Jesus by his friends. When you pick up your mat and you walk, you're leaving the sin behind, but you're taking your story, your testimony with you. And that testimony amplifies what God has done in your life to help do it in somebody else's life, because then they have the courage to believe in the only true wise God, because there is one God and his name is jealous and there will be no other God before him, meaning yourself, money, people, mama, daddy, brother, sister, whatever you want to put in that temple in the throne room, which we talked about last week, you better remove it. Because if you're sitting there, you're hurting yourself. If mama is sitting there, you better be careful because you don't want anything bad to happen to that relationship to her to you. And that goes for anyone or anything. But you want the only true wise God whose name is Jesus, who loves you very dearly to sit there. And how do you get him to sit there 100 percent of the time? You forgive you. You read this word. You understand it by chewing it, by eating it, by sleeping on what you read, by listening to gospel music, by sharing testimony, by asking people who have been in the walk a little longer than you how God has been good to them. And you let all that marinate just like when you're cooking. And then you put the pot on, on, you put the lid on the pot and you let it simmer real low on that nice low fire. And then when all the flavors meld together and it makes that block at the end of the tunnel, when you know the food is done, so too you'll know once you've gotten to that place where God needs you to be. We'll never stop growing in this life. But one thing we can stop doing is beating ourselves up. It's continually judging one another for things that don't even make sense. If God, who was betrayed by a countless number of people, it's about 7 billion of us on the earth right now. So I can only imagine how many people have been here in times past and will come. If he's forgiven every single one of us who do something dirty to him each and every day, me included, because I'm not perfect, then you too should be able to forgive yourself according to his grace and his mercy because he loves you and he holds nothing against you. That past that we love to talk about in our Bible studies, remember where it is. It's as far from you as the east is to the west. So forgive yourself and then forgive one another just as God has forgiven us. Romans chapter 6 verses 20 through 23 and Romans chapter 16 uh, verses 25 through 27. The Bible says when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do 
things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. Not some sin, but all sin equals death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in chapter 16, now to him who is able to establish and strengthen you in the faith, according to my gospel, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery of the plan of salvation, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all the nations or to all Gentiles, as the newer translations say, according to the commandment of the eternal God, leading them to obedience to the faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forevermore. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we know that Every single sin out there, even the little white lies that we like to tell other people or ourselves, that equals death if we aren't saved. As we talked about last week, and as we're going to keep mentioning it as God puts this on my heart and in my spirit, it's that hell is a very real place. The consequences of your actions either equate in blessings or damnation. My question for you is, why choose the latter of damnation when you can choose the free gift of salvation and all the benefits? I'm not sitting here telling you that you're going to lead a perfect life because none of us have or ever will. That alone was for Jesus to do to show us how messed up we were, but how good we can get if we would just follow him. Forsake yourself and embrace Christ Jesus. So the wages of sin is death, all of it every single one of it, and it all leads to hell. But when you get saved and grace and mercy starts to kick in because that's a part of your salvation stimulus package, once that those benefits start to kick in, you start to realize, you know what, God, these areas of my life are really messed up. And I know you've forgiven me, but I need to forgive those people who hurt me. I need to forgive me. I need to forgive this situation. I need to forgive what happened so that the power that I am continually sowing into Satan can be removed and be placed back in your capable hands so that I can be able to do more of the good work. This Christian journey that we walk is it's not easy. I won't lie to you, but you know what? It's better than the alternative of walking this quote-unquote life without Jesus, because there is no life outside of him. It's just fancy bedazzled death that looks really pretty on the outside, but once you start to play with it and poke it a little bit, you realize how dirty, nasty, and stinky it is. But see, when you embrace Jesus, after admitting you're wrong and accepting his forgiveness, and then you start to forgive yourself and other people, then you start to see what real life is. And let me tell you, the air on the other side, on Jesus's side, it's real clean and crisp. It smells like some of the most wonderful bouquet of fresh cut flowers, of fresh fruit, of some of the best food you've ever smelled and experienced in your life. It just it's pleasant on this side. Life is still tough, don't get me wrong, 
But God makes everything so much better. Those storms and trials and tribulations you went through, when that but God kicks in, it's like, you know what? I was sweating for nothing. That relationship that you put yourself in, I'm telling all me again, that you put yourself in and kept yourself in, that started wearing you out and dragging you down, when the but God kicks in and opens your eyes, you realize I didn't have to be here because God didn't mandate this. Every trial, tribulation, situation that God allows, that he allows to happen in your life, there is an end to that season. But when we put ourselves in things, there is no end date in sight. So again, Forgive yourself for all those situations that you put yourself in that you didn't have to be in. And then forgive the other person or the people or the place or the situation. Because nine times out of ten, it's not your fault. It's just Satan trying to destroy you in some shape, form, or fashion. But glory be to God, no weapon formed against you can ever prosper. Not even the gates of hell can prevail. You want to know something amazing about the gates of hell? They can do nothing against you because Jesus went down there and said, Open up, ye everlasting gates, because the King of glory is here. And they asked, Who is the King of glory? And he said, It's me the risen King, I, Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. I'm here to set my people free and I'm here to shake everything up. I'm here to put the upside down, right side up. Colossians chapter three, verses 11 through 16. The Bible says in this new life, it doesn't matter. Oh, let's, let's bring that back in this new life, in this life of salvation. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, black white. I don't care where you're from, what your past says about you, what you did, what you're doing right now, because you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter at all. Circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. What matters, people? Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us that belong to him. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other, with all the wisdom he gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, it's beautiful because we like to get caught up on the trappings of life sometimes, even those of us who have been saved for a while. You know, the game gets really good. Sports get real nice. Uh, that new person you may be talking to seems really interesting. Your new job and the benefits that comes with it may get you going. That money that's hitting your bank account because now you've got a, a an upflow of it is treating you real good. But none of that matters. When Jesus was talking to, to Martha and she was upset because her sister wasn't helping prepare the feast, Jesus told her, look, you're worried about the wrong stuff. I get what you're doing, but that has no importance to what life is about. 
Baby, I'm life. Jesus is life. And when you're worried about him, you start to realize nothing else you deal with really matters. I'm not taking away from the pain you may feel, from the anxiety you may go through, from the anger that may arise, from the happiness or the sadness, because we're human. But what I'm telling you is, is that you don't have to fall into the pit of being in bondage to those feelings because the heart is desperately wicked and who can really understand it but God. And because of that but God, he looks at your heart and he asks the simple question, do they love me or do they love my benefits? Do they love me, the risen king, the savior, or do they love what I can do for them? I'm going to ask you a question. And we'll move on to the next scripture. Do you love God because you spent time with him? Or do you love God uh, in that fictitious, factitious way that we've talked about what worldly love is because of what he can do for you? Is he uh, a right on time God because he's met your every need? Or is he that friend that you call up when you want to hang out? Who is God to you today? Ask yourself that question and be honest. I don't need an answer, but you need the answer because God knows. And if your answer is the latter, because you have a selfish relationship with the Lord, then things need to be changed. Remember, forgive you so you can forgive others. Continually seek forgiveness because to whom much is forgiven, they love a whole lot. I love a lot because I've been forgiven of so much and I've told you a lot of it. I won't get into every little thing because that would be too much. But because God has brought me this far, I can't wait to see where he's going to take me. And you got to be a little bit off kilter. You got to have a few screws loose, according to humanity, in order to get to where God wants to go. Because where I may look insane in a a human perspective, I'm in my right mind and I'm clothed in my, my wonderful new garments, according to Christ Jesus. And that's all that matters. First Timothy chapter six, verses one through 10. I'll put that on screen. All slaves should show full respect for their masters, so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well loved Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. If anyone, and I do mean anyone, teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Let me stop right there real quick. Now, we've talked about how the only God that exists is Jesus because there are no other gods in him. All the other religious and statutes and laws and whatnot and philosophical ideas that talk about the power of you and all this self stuff. That's just Satan deceiving you. And I know I'm bursting bubbles if you're listening and you thought otherwise. I'm not the bad guy. I'm just a messenger. If you got a problem with the message, then your problem isn't with me. It's just like the Bible says, they're not rejecting you, the messenger, they're rejecting me, God. Continuing. Um, See, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant 
friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root of all evil, but loving money is the root of all evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Let's uh let's throw in what the Lord said about this. You can either serve you can only serve one master. You either serve God or you serve money. You either love one and hate the other. You cannot serve both. So you're either gonna love God for who he is, or your lustful, incestuous desire for what this world has to offer will trick you and trap you up and hold you in a chokehold until you just, you know, die. I mean, you're already dead because of spiritual death, and then you have to face a second death. But see, with Jesus, the but God, when you accept salvation, uh, you're already alive. Woo. And to live is to gain and to die is to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. Excuse me. So while I'm here, I'm working for God. I'm building up my resume. Look, Father, look at all I did for 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 your kingdom, for the glory, for my brothers and sisters. Yes, baby, I love it. I sent you there and you did it. I asked you to do this. You had a little few things to say because I know you aren't perfect, but you did it anyway because you trust me and your faith spoke louder than what this wanted to do. And then, you know, God is so good. It's like, well, I can't help but bless them. We serve a God who's looking and is willing and is ready to bless you. All you have to do is participate in the work. Now, when we talk about the slave ship, of course, at the time when the Bible was written, it was talking about actual slaves. But now we're talking about the spiritual aspect. Remember what we've discussed in previous Bible studies. You are a slave to whoever you serve. So you're either a slave to sin and it has you like actual slavery was, like we know from history and documentation, or you're a slave to Jesus, which isn't even a slave, but it's just you love him so much because of all that he's done for you and all that you see him do for other people that you can't help but serve him. Now, our slave ship isn't even a slave ship. It's more like stewardship. This, uh, in, the, in the guise of us being sons and daughters of the Most High God, we do because we love and we love because we know who love is and his name is Jesus. And how do we get there? That interlaced tolerance that we've been talking about. We've been forgiven. We accept the forgiveness. We allow the barricade of who God is to cap off that tunnel or to cap off the pipe like when you do plumbing so water can't get out. And then once it's capped off, the only weight that something can get in is if it comes in from the top. And who's at the top of your life now? God, the Lord Almighty. If he's there, then only what he allows to get in can come in. Brothers and sisters, 
I love the Lord so much simply because he heard my cry and he hears it each and every day. And as we get ready to wrap up with the rest of this lesson in our last verse, I want you to, to really hear me when I say that God loves you so much that not only did he die for you on a cross that is called a curse, but that even after doing all of that and setting the captives free because I was once a captive, he still wants to do more. If that isn't love, then <laughs> I really don't know what love is. But it all started with forgiveness because of the perfect agape love, which is unfailing, unwavering and unfallible that God had for humanity. His most beloved creation as messed up as we are, as much dirt as we try to throw in God's face. He still loves us and still wants to save us. So if he can forgive us for everything that we do and we'll keep doing wrong till the day we die then how hard is it to forgive somebody else? How hard is it really to forgive you? I could cry thinking about how many days I wasted not forgiving myself and really accepting God's love. But it's okay, because while I'm yet still in my youth, I'm doing what the Lord has really warned me to stay away from and told me what I should do. And for all those who get it outside of their youth, whenever you get God, fantastic get them now while you can because as my mom prayed and as we've read in the scriptures there comes a time where you just can't anymore because that tunnel of sin has just gotten so broad and wide to where your heart is like you know it there'll never be a day where this will close but while it's yet still narrow let God cap it off so that that wide broad way to hell just disappears and then you can walk the straight and narrow in the street called straight because Jesus is the gate. And when you take the gate, then you walk into the street, which is called straight, which is him. And then when you're walking down the straight street, you get to the end of the line, which is eternal glory, which is eternal salvation, which is no more tears, which is the treasure that you've stored up. And remember, please remember, and we'll finish up after this. It's that as much as social media and everything else likes to say, my plan was to go straight, but God's was like this. No, it's the other way around. The world's way, the way Satan is trying to trick you is like this. But God's way is to go straight through those problems because God doesn't weave the issue. He takes you through the issue. Matthew chapter five, verses 43 through 48. The Bible says you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But, and that but is highlighted, it, it's bold, but you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. 
The perfection Jesus is asking of you today is to be perfect in your faith. Stop doubting him. Stop acting as if God didn't pay your bills when there was no money, when there was no job, as if God didn't deliver you from a sickness when the doctors gave up on you, as if God brought you out of something when every single other person in your life gave up on you, as if God didn't make a way out of no way when he died on Calvary's cross, when he showed you his love. When you were in that in the club drinking and smoking, when you were out there having sex with countless people, if you were like me and you were just holed up on a computer screen watching countless hours of pornography and doing any and everything else that this body wanted you to do. God loves you so much and it starts with you. Get the forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Forgive the next people. Forgive the past. Let it go. Let God have it. Embrace your calling. Embrace your destiny. Walk big and mighty and courageous in God because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. God, we thank you so very much for continually breaking us, Father. I know it sounds arbitrary to the to the non-believer, but for those of us who love and trust you, God, we know that we need to get broken if we want to be elevated. And once we get elevated, God, we can't keep playing by the same old rules, Lord. For to whom much is given, much is required. And the more you entrust us with, the better stewards we have to be. Does that mean life gets any less complicated? No, but God, because you are unchanging, unwavering, you are faithful even when we're not. You love us even when we can't love ourselves. You forgive when we don't know how to because you are consistently and constantly praying for us because you are our great high priest who prays on our behalf. 34-8, God. Lord, you just don't give up on us. And because of that, we can take the courage to keep moving forward. We can forgive ourselves so that we can get to the destiny that you've called us to be in, Lord. We can forgive one another so we can take the, the pain away, Lord, because the pain only goes away once we allow you to have it. So, Father God, take the pain away. Give us the courage and the strength to forgive one another as we forgive ourselves, as you forgive us, God. Lord Jesus, let your will be done in, in our lives lives in this land, Lord, as we continually go through tumultuous and unheard of times, God, even though the times are crazy, you're still great. Even though the times are rough, you're still loving. Even though the times don't make sense, God, you are still the Lord of reason, of knowledge, of love, of forgiveness, of sanity. And Lord, when I didn't have any of those things, you became all of them in my life. So I'm asking that you would fill every gap, every hole, every jot and every tittle in everyone's lives who are at the sound of your voice through me, your microphone, that they would be healed, that they would transpire the old and embrace the new God, that they would just love you and trust you and be crazy enough to do do a thing out of faith that God, the same hope that you've instilled in me tenfold recently, that they would have also because faith is the evidence of things not even yet done. It's the proof of things that are going to happen. And it's our hope in you, Christ Jesus, when you died on that cross that made everything possible. So allow us to be hopeful and faithful in you, Lord God, because we need you more and more every single day. Lord, we love you. We can't get enough of you. And I know that we never will have to depart from you because you promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. So continually teach us, train us, lead us in the path of righteousness, 
of righteousness and continually keep us away from temptations. And God, if we're to fall or mess up or make mistakes, we do it all inside of you, knowing that you'll make it plain so that we can get just that much better. We love you, Lord. And to you be all the praise, all the honor and all the glory, which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for and praise your name boldly. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form or fashion today. Each week we hold Bible study on Zoom and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.